the La Crosse Public Library Archives presents Dark Lacrosse Stories, a series in collaboration with the La Crosse Tribune. Dark Lacrosse is a suite of programs that feature the seedier side of lacrosse history and also include a downtown walking tour, a trolley tour, and an annual stage production with new content each year. told me the days leading up to my wedding would be some of the happiest I'd find. And they have been. I've got the dress, the flowers, and most importantly, I've got the most wonderful, charming, honest groom-to-be in the city of La Crosse. His name is Henry Gillis. He works as a streetcar conductor, which doesn't pay a lot, but he has the sweetest blue eyes I've ever seen. It really has been such a dream. But you know what I didn't expect in the days leading up to my wedding? His ex-wife Bessie to go and shoot herself in front of my fiancé. But we will absolutely not be postponing the wedding. Bessie Gillis has already had two husbands. I'll be damned if she stops me from getting my one. It's not my fault her first husband died. Though I've heard rumors she may have had a say in that. (laughs) And she's the one that divorced my Henry. It's been three years already. I mean, move on, woman. Honestly, I do not see why I should be dragged into this at all. Bessie's attempt to kill herself has nothing to do with me. As far as I'm concerned, there will be no change in the date of the wedding. The juicy story of the summer in 1913 was that of Bessie Gillis's alleged suicide attempt by shooting. After learning of his plans to marry the young local woman named Eva Losey, you just met, Bessie appealed to the district attorney complaining of $1,000 due in back alimony. Henry claimed to be penniless. The DA ordered him to pay a sum of $20 to Bessie that day in court. Henry and Bessie had been married in Toma in 1903 and had one daughter. Their marriage lasted only seven years. They divorced in Minnesota, quote, under circumstances that made it impossible for Henry to defend himself. While divorce was common enough at that time, what happened next was not. And as the personalities involved grew more tense, area reporters made the story more salacious. So, I'm covering the hottest story of the summer. You won't believe the facts. On the eve of this guy's wedding, old Henry decides it's a good idea to have dinner and drinks with his disgruntled ex. Then invites her back to his room? Bessie spends the night. Henry claims they merely slept together, not slept together. (laughs) But next thing we know, he leaves for work with her still in his apartment. And as he's walking down the sidewalk, bang! Here's a gunshot, rushes back to find Bessie, who's now bleeding from the chest. And that's how I earned the front page, baby. You know the saying, if it bleeds, it leads. What? You gotta make a living, too. Police arrived at the scene ten minutes after the shooting on August 6th, 1913. Bessie Gillis was lying on the floor by the bed in a black silk dress and coat soaked with blood and a twenty-two caliber revolver at her feet. Who shot you? asked Patrolman Frank Wolf. Bessie answered, I shot myself. When the officer asked her why, she pointed to her ex-husband and said, Ask him. Got a tip from the proprietor's wife, Mrs. Daly at the Daly Hotel. It seems Bessie Gillis had been staying there with her nine-year-old daughter, a convenient location right next to the car barns where her ex-husband works. And she believes Bessie still loves the guy. 
Mrs. Gillis remains in critical condition with a bullet still lodged in her right breast. She barely speaks to the authorities when asked about the tragic morning. She declined to discuss the incident with her physician, Chief of Police Weber, or me. I say, what has she got to lose? Take a load off your chest, sweetheart. Then again, you kind of already did that with a revolver. The papers reported daily about the condition of Bessie Gillis. She was taken to St. Francis Hospital and attended by Dr. Edward Evans. Attempts to get an explanation of the shooting continued to prove futile. Two days after the shooting, and with no more information from Bessie, police arrested Henry Gillis, believing he knew more than what he was saying. They always talk. Apparently, three years ago in Denver, Henry says Bessie tried to shoot him just before their divorce. This time, he thought she intended to slay them both. He says he's completely innocent. Claims she told him she was leaving on the midnight train to St. Paul and insisted on following him back to his apartment. They fell asleep, and when he tried to leave for work in the morning, she clung to him and stated, Well, Henry, I guess we've spent our last hour together. Aren't you sorry? He never answered. Just left the apartment only to return seconds later when he heard the shot. A few days ago, Henry Gillis was released on bond. He'll be taken back into court pending the condition of the first Mrs. Gillis' recovery. As for the future second Mrs. Gillis... Oh, here she comes now. Slozy, any comment? The wedding has been indefinitely postponed. Is this because he found out they were in his bedroom together? I was shocked. Shocked, I tell you, when I learned of the relations between Henry and his former wife. Astonished to discover the affinity on the eve of our marriage? Oh, I refuse to have anything more to do with him. The Gillis shooting may have broken one romance, but it appears to have renewed another. I'm told if Mrs. Gillis, the former, recovers from her wound, they may remarry and she would become Mrs. Gillis, the current, again. Eight days after the shooting, physicians were still unable to locate the bullet lodged in Bessie's chest. Mrs. Gillis vomited blood while in great pain and couldn't be moved. Two weeks later, Mrs. Gillis's condition was said to be finally improving, but police remained suspicious of Henry due to an offhand remark Mrs. Gillis made in the hospital. Mrs. Gillis told Chief Weber, If I get out of this, all well and good. But if I am sure I am going to die, I'll tell you the real story. A full month later, the case against Henry Gillis was dropped as Bessie Gillis was unwilling to make any further statement that would jeopardize her former husband. Neither party appeared before court, and the matter was handled by their attorneys. Henry Gillis neither rekindled his marriage to Bessie nor his engagement to Miss Eva Lozzi, but he did go on to marry two more times. Bessie Gillis recovered and moved out west with her daughter after an uncle bequeathed her a large ranch. How do you like that? She loves him. She hates him. She lives. She leaves. The truth is always stranger than fiction. Not so sure access to more guns on that ranch is the best thing for her, but what do I know? I just write the news. And now I'd like to welcome in Jess Whitkins, local writer, blogger, storyteller, and youth services assistant at La Crosse County Library, who wrote this story for the 2019 Dark Lacrosse Show. With every Dark Lacrosse stage show, walking tour, trolley tour, and episode of this series, there's something unexpected. The stories the Lacrosse Public Library Archives team finds are wild, they're sinister, they're unbelievable, they're humorous. 
heartbreaking, and most of the time, sensational. That speaks to the quality of the research done by the archives team and the production by the writers and performers. When taking on a potential dark lacrosse story, we look at the big picture first. What collection of stories are we working with, and whose voices are we hoping to hear the stories from? Certain stories have to be told seriously in order to highlight the tension of the tale, the gravity of the situation, and the consequences. Most often those stories are told from first-person perspectives. We want the audience, or the listener, to experience it as if they're in the place it's happening. But there's always options. You add in witnesses, nosy neighbors, distant family, somebody whose third cousin once removed has a girlfriend who works in the hospital, your choice of narrators keeps growing. With Love at First Shot, the story could have been a really serious tale. Told another way, those headlines point to a critically stressed out ex-wife, money problems, single parenting concerns, and certainly an emotionally abusive relationship that resulted in self-harm and further mind games. The humor that we found in the story comes from the way the press reported on that case, turning it into a bit of a love triangle, which as a writer is a trope I can work with and make it funny. Plus, and it's important, Bessie lives. If she had died, we'd be looking at this event with a different lens. So when writing this story, I couldn't use Bessie Gillis or her ex-husband as the narrator. I didn't want the butt of the joke to be Bessie Gillis. I think Bessie Gillis was in a dark place mentally and didn't know what else to do. We're looking at the early 1900s, where women did not have a lot of opportunities. She'd already lost one husband at an early age, and then her second marriage ended in divorce after a few years. She was raising a teenage girl alone, who also wouldn't have had as many opportunities as a son would have, in terms of assisting the family with finances. Additionally, we just don't know much else about Bessie or her ex-husband because neither of them wanted to talk. Most of the newspaper articles we have about them are speculative. So that also makes it difficult to frame them as the narrators of the story without fabricating a lot. So what stuck out to me were the headlines, the back-and-forth reporting about will she live or will she die, was the husband really involved, and what about his current fiancé? Well, that's what made me think of telling the story from a reporter's point of view. How far will someone go just to get the scoop? And we have the scoop. We have all these news stories that heightened the unknowns about this shooting. And then the other extreme is the unfortunate fiancé, who we don't know much about, but the fact that in the very first news story about the shooting, where we find out Mrs. Gillis spent the night in her ex-husband's room, Ava Losi, the fiancé, gets quoted as saying, Mrs. Gillis' attempt to kill herself has nothing to do with me. As far as I'm concerned, there will be no change in the date of the wedding. Well, that says enough about her character that she was rather unempathetic about the situation and probably pretty naive about human nature in terms of complicated relationships. So, a headline-seeking reporter and a naive fiancé gave me two extreme narrators that, when interacting with one another, made a serious situation humorous in the retelling. Thanks for listening. <laughs>